Good morning. It's, um, it's great for me to be able to um, pick up our, our theme uh, that we've been running with this autumn time after hearing Rebecca share a little bit about life in her uh, workplace. Um, not hard to join in uh, with what she's already been sharing from her life. The, the wonderful potential and the opportunities that we have to serve uh, and honor God in our workplaces and yet the, the challenge that, that that feels to most of us most of the time. I thought I'd begin this morning by telling you a little bit about an interaction we had in our staff team recently. Um, every September we start the new year um, with a, a sort of an extended uh, staff meeting. We try to fit it in before we're too far into the term. And one of the exercises we do as we get ready to work together for that, that incoming year is I print out all the job descriptions of everybody on the staff team, multiple copies, so I give everybody a copy of everyone's job description. Um, it's kind of hard for me because as a minister you can bluff, you know, you can sort of hide behind a lot of stuff, but, but I try to show them that, well, there are some things uh, that I do other than appear on Sundays. Um, and then we look at, at the jobs that everybody else do. The reason we do that is um, to help each other understand, yeah, this is what, what I do, this is what you do, and you do, and you do, but also to see how we can work together better, to see where the overlaps are, if there are any gaps so that, that's quite an interesting exercise. It takes quite a chunk of time. Uh, we, we tend to make a, a long session of it. So anyway, I told the guys, let's, let's meet up, let's do this thing. And uh, as quick as a flash, one of the members of the staff team said, well, listen, if we're doing that, I'll bring a tart. I was like, okay, that's, that's great. I just thought to myself, that, that's really kind. So then, as we got nearer the, the day, another member of the staff team came to me and said, listen, see that meeting? We're doing the long meeting with the, the work stuff. I'll bring a bag of scones. I was going, okay, yeah, this meeting could be okay. This will be, be better than I was expecting. And then when I arrived on the morning and when we all sat down around the table to start working together in this, a third member of the staff team came to me and said, listen, I just baked a wee tart it's in the oven and it's still hot. Tell me when you want to serve it. Now, I tell you that story not to, um, well, if you don't know our staff team, it's given you an insight into the kind of people that they are. I tell that story not primarily to honor them, although I'm glad to do that. I tell the story to illustrate the theme that I want us to dwell on today. These two tarts, this bag of scones, three busy women taking the initiative to, to do that unprompted, this beautiful thing that each one of them did. There's a lot of grace in that and a lot of love. Grace doesn't have to do stuff but grace does. It looks for the opportunities. Love doesn't have to, but love does. 
always alert to possibilities. This morning we're thinking about ministering grace and love. And let let me just try to put that quickly into context in our Fruitfulness on the Frontline series. Dan's already covered the ground for us. As a congregation, we believe we have front lines, places where God has put us, where we can meet people in his name. The new thing that we're saying this autumn, or the new language that we're trying to explore is the idea of fruitfulness, a very biblical image. We want to be fruitful for God on our front lines. Fruitfulness simply means doing anything that gives glory to God. Anything I do that makes the person beside me think, flip, God is great. Anything that can enhance God's reputation before a watching world. That's what we're talking about. That's fruitfulness on the front line. And we know that this is what Jesus wants for us. Do you remember the wee verse that we learned um, that we're going to keep looking at during this series? It's all of 11 words long, but it gives us a just a, a sense of Jesus' desire for us. He says, My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit. We've said we want to be fruitful on our front lines, and we've said there are six categories of actions or behaviors. Um, these, are, these are a wee bit arbitrary. They're, they're made up, if you like, but they're helpful to give us just a wee bit of focus in our thinking. We've called them the six M's. And so we're asking ourselves these these questions. How could I model godly character? How could I make good work? We've already looked at those two. Richie, a few weeks ago, had us thinking about modeling godly character. Uh, Last week, we talked about making good work. And today, we come to this idea of ministering grace and love. Just to remind you where we're going, we're going to be looking in the future at molding culture How can I be a mouthpiece for truth and justice? And finally, how can I be a messenger for the gospel? We want to be messengers for the gospel. We want to be able to speak to people about Jesus Christ. But we want to do these other things too uh, that the Lord calls us to. So this morning we're on M3. We're looking at this idea of ministering grace and love. And I want to tackle this by asking two questions. Why? Why would a Christian minister grace and love? And what forms might grace and love take? And before we finish, I'll share a few more examples from the life of our congregation of people who I think are doing this. So that first question, why would a Christian minister grace and love? Well, there's different ways I could answer that question, but let me go to the the obvious one first. At Kirkpatrick Memorial, we talk about following Jesus Christ, about being his disciples, learning from him how to live. He's our master. We're his apprentices. Jesus' whole ministry is characterized by grace and by love. What do I mean by that? Well, he did loads of stuff for other people that he wasn't obligated to do. So whenever he heals Peter's mother-in-law, no one had asked him to do that. Whenever he heals a paralyzed man by the pool, you know the guy who couldn't scramble into the waters at the right time to get the healing? 
Uh, nobody had asked Jesus to do that. The guy hadn't even cried out to him. Jesus just saw his, his need and, and he helped him. Jesus doesn't have to change water into wine when he's at the wedding banquet. doesn't have to raise Lazarus from the dead. In fact, if you back right up with the whole of Jesus' story, you'll see that he didn't have to leave the comfort of heaven, didn't have to make that journey to earth to endure all of that hardship, and he certainly didn't have to give his life to die on a cross. But he chose to. Everything that Jesus ever did for people in his time and everything that he achieved that we still benefit from today, all of that, it's all grace. All born of his unfathomable love. Jesus doesn't have to do any of these things. But he chooses to. Jesus is a little bit different than we are actually, as I was thinking about this. He doesn't have to do any of these things. He's not obligated to, but actually his nature means he couldn't be any other way. This is who Jesus Christ is. This is who our God is. Grace doesn't have to. Love doesn't have to. Jesus didn't have to, but he did. Last week we were thinking about making good work, and I suppose if I want to show a bit of a difference between what we talked about last week and what we're talking about here today, think of last week as the stuff that we're kind of committed to or or maybe somewhat obligated to, whether it's our paid work or commitments that we've taken on. Today we're talking about grace and love, where there are no commitments, no obligations. There's no have to. Today we're talking about seeing possibilities, taking initiatives, responding with spontaneous generosity, looking a lot like our gracious, lavish God. We've talked about Jesus Christ, but let's back up a little bit further and talk about God and how he treats us. God doesn't have to create us to give us life. He doesn't have to forgive the the rebellion that that we have made against him. He doesn't have to send his son to die for us. He, He doesn't have to send his spirit on us. His own presence to empower us and to transform us. But he does. God doesn't have to. He chooses to. And this is what is exciting. If you turn with me for a second to that passage in Ephesians 2. It's the grace and the love of God that have Paul excited in this passage. Page 1174. Paul begins in the chapter by reminding the believers in Ephesus where they've come from. But then he describes them, for example, as dead in their transgressions and sins. But then, verse 4, he throws in one of his huge buts. Paul, Paul sometimes does this. He, he tells you about what life was like before, and then he says, but. 
But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. It's by grace you have been saved. We need to understand this today, otherwise we're going to mess this up. Before we are people who share grace and love with anyone else, all of us are first recipients. God's grace and love that comes first. It was in his grace and his love that God searched me out. A lost sheep. It was in his grace and love that he brought me in, an unfaithful lover. And he said, I'll take you back. It was in his grace and love that he looked on my filth and he said, I'll tell you what, I'll wash you clean. And it's in his grace and his love that he gives me new clothes to wear and he says, you get to look like Jesus. And he goes on and he says, come on, son. Come and take your place at the table. Join my family. So the grace and the love doesn't start here starts here. And before I give it, I receive it. But the receiving's not the end of it. Because I have received it, God, God wants to, to work in me. Let, let's follow the passage a second. God wants this grace and love that he's poured out on me to be like a hallmark of my life that speaks of him. Look at verse 6. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He wants to show his grace and love to a watching world by what he's done for me and for you. He's taken us, he's accepted us, he's loved us, and he's transformed us. But it goes on. Because he doesn't just want to point to us and show his a watching world his grace and love. He wants us to be vehicles of his grace and love. To, to be remade in his image and to start doing his work in the world. Look at verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. So he makes us, creates us in Jesus Christ. Why? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The work that God wants to do in the world, the grace and love that he wants to minister in the world, he wants to minister through me and through us. Do you see why a Christian ministers grace and love? It's because the grace and love that we have received has so decisively and comprehensively gripped us that it changes who we are and it makes us into carriers and, and givers of grace and love. 
Much more briefly, our second question, what forms might grace and love take? We could spend a long time here, but we're not going to. Rebecca was talking about her workplace. Um, Workplaces are weird places. I read an article just this week, and and Rebecca's comments were, were very interesting. I was reading an article that was basically saying that British people have given up hope of friendship in the workplace. It's, pretty, it's almost gone. Years ago, the number of people, if you asked a British working population how many of you have close friendships in your workplace, X percent were saying, yes, I think I, think I have some close friends or one close friend. That percentage has plummeted in recent Uh, decades so what about forgiveness forgiving my boss when he doesn't deliver on what he promised or when actually he doesn't lead the team very well and I don't get to flourish in my workplace the way I'd like because he or she's holding me back forgiving that boss what about Talking to the the teenagers maybe in with us, what about forgiving our parents when they let us down? We'd need to learn to do that because they're going to do that a lot. What about forgiving that member of our church family who's let us down? We have plenty of opportunities for forgiveness in this room today. You see, on our front lines, we're going to need to be forgivers. And there's a reason for that. It's because of the kind of people who are on our front lines. There are people who have frailties, who aren't living as well as they would like. There are people who are weak and and are sinful. Actually, they're people like us. So, forgiveness will be one of the ways in which we can minister God's grace and God's love on our front lines. Second way to minister grace and love, it almost always, I think, takes the form of some sort of generosity, some sort of overflowingness, some sort of... It means taking the focus for a while off myself, what I need out of this situation, how busy I am with my time, and thinking about somebody else, being alert to the opportunities to serve them. It could mean that when I walk into a crowd, instead of being all full of how I feel about being in the crowd and my sense of not being welcomed or or whatever, to say, who else is in this room? Is there a person who looks a bit lost? Is there a new person? Somebody I could reach out to and connect with? Or, Or in the workplace, whenever I notice that a colleague is struggling, rather than celebrating my relative success to his failure, I, I check if there's anything I can do to help. 
generosity. I, I think this, this generosity that's at the heart of God, it, it brings us beyond just doing what needs to be done. It, it, it brings a sort of a, a lavishness with it. You know? It's like, it's like what God does. He, he doesn't just get stuff done. He always does it beautifully. It's like if we're going to give food to a homeless person, let's make sure it's the best food. There's a wee thing we're going to be buying this week for, to fill storehouse trolleys. Next week we have storehouse trolleys sitting at the front of church. And as part of our harvest celebration, we bring something to put in there. Let's have the lavishness and the generosity of God in our mind's eye as we shop for that this week. Grace and love. It takes all sorts of forms. I've suggested a couple of things there. Forgiveness, generosity. But I want to finish in the way that I'll probably try to do with most of these addresses or sermons that I give, and that's to tell you some stories. Give you some examples that might help spark your imagination. By the way, if you were here last week, you'll know I told the story of the builder who put the the roof on our church over the summertime, David Charlton. And I also mentioned some members of our church family who've received rewards for their, their work. We were talking about doing good work. All of those stories were Kirkpatrick stories. I think it's brilliant to be inspired by the likes of George Cadbury. If you were here last week, you heard us share that brilliant story. But the stories we shared last week from our own congregation showed us you don't have to go halfway around the world to see people being fruitful on their front line. So I thought I'd tell you about a few more members of Kirkpatrick. This week, thinking about people who are ministering grace and love. I heard of one guy who is a boss in his workplace. And every Friday morning, he bakes soda bread. And he brings it to his work. And he serves it for 11sies. And it's still hot when he serves it. And he gathers his team around him. And they eat soda bread with butter and jam. And they like it. They have been blessed by that. But another interesting thing's happened. Their, their whole team dynamic has improved. Guys who weren't getting on are starting to get on. They've been lifted out of their, their role plays that you do in life where I don't like you for something that happened 16 years ago and I still don't like you. And now they're getting over it. And the big boss who drops in on this occasionally, he's seen what's happened And he's seen that the whole working dynamic in that department has changed. All because these guys have started to talk on a Friday morning. What about the guy in our church who is the post office drop-off person for his street? I love this. So he noticed a problem in his street uh, a lot of people were getting deliveries to their house. Uh, you, know, the, you know, the Amazon delivery or the next, whatever you ordered from the next catalog or whatever. They come to your house, you're not there. So the guy puts the red card through your door and you have to go and spend half an hour sometime later in the week driving to the, the post office depot to pick up your parcel. 
Well, a guy noticed that this was happening in the street, so he said to his neighbors, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'm retired, I'll be the drop-off guy. Let, let the parcels all come to my house. So they do. Um, and some lovely things have happened here. Um, this guy gets to bless his neighbors to help them out. Life is easier for them. But, but it's more than just that. He gets to meet all of his neighbors. For years, he had done that thing that the rest of us are still doing, living on the street with who knows who. But he got to know his neighbors and meets them regularly. I've actually seen this work, and I was calling with the guy late afternoon, having a chat. Doorbell goes, neighbor calls, and there it is. There's a parcel sitting in the hallway, hands it over, and has a quick catch-up. How's life going? And then there's a part of the story I didn't really know until we talked it through a bit more. The post office used that system with the cards, but so do other delivery guys. You know, the DHL guy, the UPS guy, the Yodel guy, they all come on, they come on a slightly different basis. They're paid a, a sort of a small amount for each delivery they make, 95p, we think, in some cases. So if they come to my house and I'm not there, he, he at least oftentimes has to go away and try to come back again to make that delivery to earn his 95p. So how delighted is he when he can come once, make the delivery for the street, and go on and earn a living? Go on earn some food to put on the table for his family. Grace and love. You know, we talk about glory to God in the highest. What about glory to God in the cul-de-sac? You know, the places where we are, the front lines we have. One last story I thought I'd share with you. It comes out of our Globe Cafe ministry. Uh, for, for those of you have, who don't know what that is, Globe Cafe is an initiative started by some members of Kirkpatrick uh, that the church partners in by praying for it, by supporting it a little bit financially. It's a ministry really um, to welcome people from overseas who land in Belfast to say that this city is not against you, that this is fo- place is for you. You're welcome here. It's an amazing ministry on its own terms, and I, I've always been, been very struck by it, but I heard a wee story recently that just, for me, uh, I suppose illustrated what I am talking about here today. I'd heard that as well as doing what they do, you know, organizing a venue, putting on a program, running Globe Cafe. I'd heard that some members of the team had gone with the people from Globe Cafe back to their home country. They'd made a visit to them in Poland. Can you imagine anything more affirming and welcoming when you're a foreign person coming to live in a country, then the people of that country saying, do you know what? We'd love to see your place. You're with us in our place. We'd love to come with you and to see yours.
So they've been to Poland. They've been to hang out with the people they've met in Belfast in their own home. Now, the, the thing about this story is when, whenever I talked it over with a, a member of the Globe team, they were, they, were very, they were very reticent that that would be shared as some sort of heroic act or, or some sort of way beyond the, way beyond the, the bounds of what's, what's needed or whatever. They, they don't think of it in these terms anymore. They were just talking about how these folks that met at Globe, how privileged they count themselves to have met these wonderful new friends. You see, folks, grace has long arms and love a very long reach. That's what we're talking about here today. I've talk, taken a few moments to tell you just a few stories of, of some of what I know that's going on in this congregation of people ministering grace and love on their front lines. I know that there are countless more. Maybe we need to find another way to tell the stories. Uh, we don't want to sit here for a couple of hours each Sunday. But there are so many ways in which we already are sharing God's grace and love. It doesn't have to be a big impressive thing or a dramatic thing. It can be as simple as a, a meal to a neighbor. Or we were talking about this in our discipleship group this week. It can be as simple as... Being in church on a Sunday morning and rather than saying I'm going to wait to see who talks to me to say who can I encourage today? Can I come a few minutes early just to make a connection? Can I stay a few minutes late if it requires that to encourage someone? It can be as simple and as small as that. Grace is on the lookout for opportunities. Love is alert to responsibilities. And all of our grace and our love is rooted in the grace of God for us. We share grace because he first graced us. And we love because he first loved us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your calling on us isn't to become freakish or weird. It's to become more human and more beautiful people than we otherwise might be. It's to be the people with your logo on us, the people with your spirit fueling us and empowering us, the people who look more and more like Jesus. Lord, I pray for each one of us today that would just be excited by that. Not daunted, not terrified, not feeling obligated in any way, but excited. Help us just to open our hearts to receive from you more and more 
of your grace and love, to see it, to feel it, to live out of it, so that it more and more flow from us and change our lives. Would you please take more glory for yourself by our fruitful lives, we pray. Amen.